Johannes, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we talk about like uh, elevators uh, and a bit more how to sell by maintain elevators. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and Kuhne? Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. So um, I'm Johannes Rastas and uh, I'm the head of uh, services and solutions R&D at, at Kone. And uh, Kone as a company, we are one of the global leaders in the elevators and escalator industry. And uh, our mission is to improve the flow of urban life, meaning that uh, making sure that the buildings of today and the future are uh, nice places to work and live and ensure that these micro journeys that uh, millions and millions of our customers are doing every day are, are smooth and seamless and safe. And actually we are moving more than 1 billion people every day. So that's our global scale. 1 billion different people every day or if I, if I like do, uh, use an elevator like twice a day, I'm two people in your counting. Well, we counted as two. We okay. we are not able to distinguish people on an individual level, but uh, a lot of people, nevertheless. Can Can you give me some like rough KPIs about uh, uh, Kona? How many elevators have you built? And maybe some like market insights? Because for me, like as in yeah, not construction person, I don't have any imagination about how many elevators are built every day or maintained every day. So some numbers would be helpful. Yeah. That's a great question. And uh, like I said, uh, we, we are a global company and we are operating not everywhere in the world, but in, 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 in all of the continents, more, more or less. There are certain markets where we are not present with our own brand like Japan, but uh, in most of the places we are. And uh, like I said, we are, we are moving more than 1 billion people per day. We have... Uh, uh, 1.5 million units in our ser own service maintenance. And then there are also several other or, or many more million units that have been manufactured by Kone, but now the maintenance is taken care of by third party companies. Uh, we have our own operations in 60 different countries and uh, we are working with over half a million B2B customers. And we have uh, thousands and thousands of technicians providing field maintenance. So we are doing 80,000 maintenance visits every day to make sure that our equipment operate as they should and uh, keep keep everyone safe. So usually when we are coming from the B2C conversations, we are always talking about like customer lifetime uh, value. So in your, in your case, it seems to be much better than in B2C because like once you're building an elevator uh, in a building, it never so there will be always like an elevator right like for the next 100 years but what is like the standard like usage time of an elevator if i built a business a new building today i don't know in frankfurt or in dubai or whatever where all the like high buildings are built now how long do you use it usually until you replace it with a new one yeah that's a that's a great question and our business is really a life cycle business i mean like you say when 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 buildings are uh originally built, they tend to be there for, for tens of years, even, even you know, 100 years, as, as, as we see, especially in the European cities. Uh, 
So typically the elevator life cycle is such that, well, our relationship with the customer obviously starts already before the building is built. And in the big projects, if we, if we think about, you know, mega projects like skyscrapers, it may be, you know, that the, the construction alone can be, you know, a, a, a few years uh, from breaking the ground in order to take the building into use. And then when the building is taken into use, typically it's like 15 to 20 years when it's the time to really modernize and renew uh, renew the elevator equipment so mm -hmm. that's the typical typical lifespan and uh, and if we then think about the buildings themselves uh, of course now especially with you know uh, the, the the green movement and sustain sustainability uh, it's getting less likely that you know buildings are getting totally demolished and then new buildings built uh, uh, on on the same ground, but rather the buildings themselves are getting also modernized, and the 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 kind of the needs of the building are changing, and we see office buildings convent converted into residential, and the other way around, and mixed use buildings and so forth. So we try to be there also for the for the customers and property owners to help them to you know uh, optimize their building value over its life cycle. I guess this is a growing market, uh, um, like. You can use a lot of like interesting metaphors here with the height and growth and, mo and movement, but I guess it's a growing market because like many buildings I know and like on a, on a global level that don't have elevators yet, but as like our society is growing older and older, though there must be like kind of a new elevators built even like into old buildings. But from a market perspective, is that kind of a gross number percentage-wise? Like uh, if there's like, I don't know, 10 billion in revenue in the elevator market uh, used in 2022 is it like 11 in 2023 I th and i guess it's hard to measure but is there kind of this kind of growth statistics available there is no easy easy answer to that because they are the kind of a market development in different regions is quite different Kone uh, is and has been the leader in this kind of a new equipment business which is the new 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 buildings and uh, they, of course, you know, Asia and China especially has been, you know, the growth driver. But now lately the economy in, in, in China, we know that there has been, you know, a, a slowdown and especially on the new construction, uh, the kind of a new uh, project starts have slowed down from their uh, kind of a peak, what it used to be. Uh, but then if we look at then Europe and, and uh, Americas, then of course this modernization is uh, expected to, 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 to pick up and grow quite substantially. And uh, if we look at the cities in the, in the Western world, if we think about how they're going to be, you know, year 2050, uh, about 60 to 70% of the buildings that we are going to see in the cities 2050 they are already being, they, they already exist. Mm. Uh, so um, that's that's then the linkage to the moderni modernization business. Though it, so it's it's a gross market, and you are a market leader on a global level, or are you market leader in certain regions? Uh, we are market leader in some parts of the business and uh, in, in, in some geographical areas. So uh, we've been very strong on the on the new equipment business, uh, especially in, in China and in some other markets. And then uh, when we think about service, then depending on the market, we are there in, in, in 
top three or top four in all of the all of the markets where we operate more or less. Mm. Okay, let, let's let's focus a bit on the customer for a moment. So because usually you're not work. So who is your customer? Is it architects? Is it designer? Is it like the construction company who decides eventually what uh, what what elevator construction company will build the, the elevator? So who is it? Do, who do you need to cater your messaging for? Yeah. So we. We kind of segment our business into in the three different businesses. So we have the new equipment business, which is the new buildings and the construction. And there, the the typical customer is then the the, the, the developer or the builder. Then, once the building is taken into use, then we talk about the kind of a maintenance business, where the the, the customer is then typically the, 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 the building owner or the company who is operating the building on behalf of the owner, like, you know, facility management or so forth. And then when we go into the modernization of the, 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 the phase of the life cycle, then it's typically the building owner who, who wants to get more out of more value out of the building by modernizing it or, or, or changing it, its purpose, for example, from office to mixed use or something like that. So we have we have those different customer groups. Then, of course, you know, we have a lot of these end users, obviously, you know, that we are, are using our equipment every day. And then we have all other kind of a stakeholder groups like, you know, architects you mentioned. And, and uh, we also working working uh, closely with, uh, you know, uh, regulators and city planners and uh, smart building technology vendors and you name it. And what are the KPIs you can optimize for, or you you can you can offer? So a construction company or an architect would choose Kono over any competitor. Is it like cost of transportation? Is it uh, like or like let's say twenty-story um, building cost like price X and Kono is the cheapest, or is it maintenance cost, or is it like flexibility? So or is it like speed of the transportation? Which for me, for example. There are a couple of hotels who only have like one or two elevators. And then like during a breakfast time, you have to wait like for for hours sometimes uh, uh, to uh, until like the elevator stops at your um, at, at your floor. There's like a very different set of KPIs uh, um, uh, which you could optimize for. But what is yours or what, what are the most important ones? Yeah, of course. It li little bit depends on the on the segment and customer type, and certain certain customers are are much more cost conscious than some others. And typically, for example, residential segment is the one where where, where it's uh, often driven uh, more from the cost angle. And then when you go to uh, hospitality or hotels or skyscrapers or so forth and the other other KPIs are, are more important such as the, the kind of the flow optimization I mean you know speed and uh, the, the the smoothness of the journey but of course when we think about our uh, kind of offering and value we, we like to think that it's the combination of all of those things so it is the total total value the the, the 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 equipment and the kind of a more technical kpis but then also our service and the the, the relationship and person-to-person -person interaction and and that was always interesting for me like especially in hotels so in hospitality when there's like mm, this kind of um, elevator mm, part in the building there's like th th three four five elevators 
there must be kind of a smart setup that these elevators learn where to stop and start like every day because like in the when the hotel is empty like uh, or filling up so it makes sense that more elevators are waiting downstairs when there's kind of this kind of breakfast situation it totally makes sense to decide uh, to split a bit in the building when all rooms in floor number eight are empty then it doesn't make sense for the elevator to stop there like to, or to wait mm. there so there's It could be like statical um, stochastics uh, or analytics uh, be be deployed here, but it could be also like KI. So that's really a artificial intelligence case, right? Mm -hmm. If you know, there's like many people on floor number four now because there's kind of a seminar, and the seminar has a break at two a.m. or uh, two p.m. Um, so eighty percent of the elevators should wait there. So there's like a more there's a better flow. So who's doing that? So or how far are we in that area? Yeah, so this is the, 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 what we call as people flow experience, that how do we provide the, the, the optimal uh, passenger flow for, for the building. And, and, and then uh, the vision is, as you explained, that that experience then adapts also to context. You know, you mentioned whether it's, you know, a, a particular event or time of the day or so forth. And, and it's one of our our areas where we are focused on on uh, on the kind of a research and development department to to to, to continuously push the envelope envelope uh, when it comes to technology and uh, and the experience side of things. And uh, it's uh, it's quite complex from a technical point of view because uh, of course the, the depending on the building, but uh, kind of a predicting certain behavior is rather easy. I mean, you know, in an office building, it's relatively easy to understand that, you know, when is a lunch hour. But then, for example, in a mixed use of building where you have certain floors, maybe residential, certain maybe office, you may may have hotel on the top and so forth. So it's, it's, uh, it's not that straightforward. And then you add the kind of uh, special events or, 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 or conditions on top. So, uh, but it's a good, Good case for uh, machine learning and uh, and uh, AI. But how easy it is is it to connect? Because um, let's 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 stick with the hospitality hotel floor for a moment. So when I leave my room, so I take my card out out of the room and I have like my one minute walk to the elevator. So and it and it's only elevators that lead to the restaurant or to the to the exit. Then it's possible like in theory to connect this information are uh, somebody's taking out the cart the door is closing let's the elevator start to go to this floor and wait there for like five seconds um depending how far the room is away from the elevator and uh, um, um, entrance so is this possible when when you leave your hotel room or your apartment it's relatively easy because then you know 95 cases you are going down to the lobby and you're going to exit the building mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, making this uh, connectivity, for example, with your apartment uh, uh, door or the hotel uh, ac access system is uh, relatively straightforward. And we are working with some partners and we have APIs, APIs that uh, will enable this type of experience in the future. However, our vision extends much beyond that. So you can imagine it the other way around for example when you arrive in the morning to your office building 
So, you know, the gate on the garage already knows that, you know, that's that's you and your car, or maybe you come with the public transport. Typically, you have some kind of access management system, how to enter the office building, whether it's the front door or whether you have a turnstiles on the lobby. Uh, typically, you show a physical badge. In our vision, you don't need to. Uh, you are already recognized based on some other sensoring technology, whether it's Bluetooth, LE-based, you have certain type of... Uh, virtual access in your in in your smartphone or maybe it's based on you know imaging and uh, camera recognition facial recognition or things like but basically you just walk through the gates uh, at the same time the system knows not just who you are but where you are going you know are you going to your own designated uh, area your own designated net desk or or maybe you have a meeting uh, room in another floor where you need to go to so it uh, knows where you are going and uh, the, the elevator is all automatically booked and they, takes you there and maybe there is even some kind of a guidance that is then shown uh, in screens or perhaps projected to the floors or walls that is then guiding guiding your way and uh, uh, this is uh, on a high level our vision for this kind of a uh, experience that we call as, as, as office flow, but uh, you can easily imagine that type of experience being extended also, also to uh, visitors or then, for example, to, to, to buildings like, you know, hospitals, for example. Hospitals are, I think, notoriously famous of visitors having difficulties to find their way where they, where they need to go. So. That's true, yeah. That's, but, the, 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 but just what you've described, so the entrance thing with a car or public transportation, identification uh, with a key card or with uh, NFC or with fingerprint, whatever. So all this like third-party systems are usually not controlled by, by Kona. But what I, like in a digital world, what I can think of, think of is obviously like a, a platform where you connect all those things because one of the core experience is then the elevator. Because then depending on what floor you're going, you can like adjust the light, for example, or adjust like the welcome sound uh, when the door is opening. Though there's lots of stuff that can be, uh, can be built, um, built in. And um, then my question is, is it, is it easy for you? Like in, in the construction industry, it's very, very slow. From I've I've had a lot of conversations also in the, already in the construction industry and because it takes so long to build projects, then baking in this kind of entrance experience in a skyscape scraper project that takes like years, sometimes it's not so easy because it can it's a cost and nobody wants to pay for it because it's just like an experience and you cannot like differentiating uh, uh, with this kind of ex uh, um, um, experience. So is Kona building or offering such a platform or is there like in this industry already like an, a platform available? Uh, so yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, uh, if you think about the the kind of uh, technical platform and capabilities we have. So we have all of our new elevators connected to to, to cloud through IoT, and uh, we we are building a kind of APIs that we are already today integrating with various of smartphone uh, players and technology vendors. And we can talk more about that later. For example, in the context of robots. But then, when it comes to specifically, you know. Uh, access and uh, new technologies, whether it's, you know, facial recognition and so forth, you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, penetrating the industry is quite uh, slow mm -hmm. and, and, and typically in construction, you know, the 
the, the developers and so forth, they are quite reluctant taking, you know, risks that, you know, if they, mm. these type of a new technologies, if they don't work, they might, you know, delay the whole project. And then, of course, it's, you know, very expensive for, for everybody involved. However, then if you look at Asian market where they are, in particular in China, like, you know, facial recognition is everywhere and uh, it penetrated the market in a matter of, you know, some years, while mm. then in the... In, 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 in the Western world, we are still, you know, contemplating around it. But of course, also the, 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 the regulation and the, you know, landscape uh, around, you know, privacy laws and things like is, 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 is quite, quite different. And, uh, the kind of a mega project, skyscrapers and so forth are, uh, are, are typically create test beds to try new technologies because, you know, first of all, they are not that, uh, cost sensitive, but then they also have this inherent need to, you know, stand out and differentiate and so forth. So they are, they are, they are often uh, very willing to, 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 to experiment and try out new things. And they have been great partners for Kone uh, in, in creation of some new technologies, such as our office flow solution that I, I mentioned earlier. In, in, in many new elevators, I see like modern displays. So sometimes those displays are used, could be like a 10-inch screen or even bigger. Sometimes these displays are used like to uh, just to, to show like the uh, the floor uh, you're in, but sometimes there's some advertising uh, um, on it. I, I guess like as like the elevator builder, you have to come up with a solution how to integrate this stuff. But can you also like control, um, and like, as I'm talking with many B2C companies, which are like doing all this retail media investments, I was always thinking, okay, if you can control millions of those displays in elevators and you know exactly where this person is, where this person is going, though this kind of um, tailored uh, tailored uh, marketing is obviously a perfect spot on these displays. Um, uh, I, was, I was asking myself, uh, so who controls... Um, What, what is shown there? Is it something that is up to the uh, landlord, the the building owner, and there's kind of a USB stick you put in somewhere to to update the information, or is it already in some cases connected to a platform where I, for example, can log in and bid for certain displays in certain parts of the world with a certain messaging? So how far is this? So again, especially in China. A lot of these displays are used for this kind of a hyper-local advertisement and there are some uh, kind of a smaller companies and startups who are kind of specialized on this, but typically then they have, you know, they have been bringing their own own, own display to the building. Um, I think if we now look at uh, our uh, scale and vision, I think the opportunity is exactly like you said, that, you know, we have or will have this, you know, global digital real estate that can be used for different purposes, whether it's, you know, uh, marketing or whether it's kind of a local uh, corporate messaging or, or, or messaging specific to the residential unit and so forth. As of today, the displays, when you look at them, they are often quite static. So there is the kind of the same messaging there, you know, for months and months and months, because the problem, as you pointed out, who, who can update the content and when and, and, and how, Uh, is is often quite suboptimal from the user user perspective. Mm. So uh, we are looking into uh, kind of a different content management solution through our partners. How we could then tap into this opportunity on a very hyper local uh, scale, but then also potentially global scale. 
But isn't it like, so I imagine that you, you said you have like 500,000 or even more customers. Um, most of them, I guess, are like small apartments or commercial buildings. Like it's, it cannot be like all big skyscrapers. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. That's the majority of the business is, no. is uh, residential and, 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 and individual buildings or, or small, small units. But, but then my question is, so op, within like this digital possibilities, like managing the, um, how is it, how is it, people flow experience, a PFE, I think that's like a term in your industry, the people flow experience, like that can save energy because if, if the elevator stops at a certain floor more often, that can save up to 10% of the energy, which is like one savings point, adding displays, which you control and where you can sell advertisement, it's like another layer of like cost savings or The message, I guess, you can bring to the uh, um, apartment and commercial buildings owner is like, hey, uh, we would like to save some money for you. Maybe you can get some maintenance um, work for free, but in, in return, we would like to have the right of uh, marketize your, your display. Is this something that works or is it... or? Maybe I'm just thinking like too naively here because it's so hard to build something in the elevator and to connect it to Wi-Fi and to do all this stuff. Yeah, there there are some technical challenges, and uh, you know, elevator shafts are typically in the center of the building. You know, mm -hmm. within you know thick walls of concrete, so connectivity alone is not uh, always that that trivial to 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 to, to sort out. I think uh, this kind of. Uh, value-adding, offering, uh, augmenting the core product, uh, for example, when it comes to displays and using them as an advertisement platform and so forth. Like I mentioned, there has been experiments around that topic in the industry for quite some time, but I think uh, nobody has really yet nailed it, that how to make it uh, kind of easy enough from the customer point of view And, and compelling enough from this kind of a content or advertiser point of view uh, so far. Uh, but, but I think screens as such are, are, are becoming a kind of a standard uh, uh, component in the elevators and in many places they, 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 they already are. And it's not only about you know, content and infotainment, but they also also are going to play a key role when it comes to, you know, just the passenger safety and then also for certain emergency situations. But aren't you in the perfect position to expand into this um, uh, entrance control um, game where like when, when the, if you have like establishing, if you're establishing kind of a setup that identifies people in an elevator or brings like a certain tailored experience, then you're perfectly equipped to own also like the entrance gate where people like identify uh, or is like a, is this a totally different it, industry to, to to some extent it is a kind of a adjacent industry but uh, we do manufacture for example gates and turnstiles and we just uh, recently introduced a new kind of a revolutionary gate called Cone Lane, which is more like a pylons as opposed to this you know large area footprint traditional turnstile and uh, that has been you know winning some design awards and we have some pilot customers in in in, in chicago well, who have what is the keyword what, what do i need to search for to see this pylons Kone uh, it's, it's called Kone, Kone Lane is the name of the name of the product Kone, uh, Kone Lane turnstile okay let, uh, yeah. ah, okay hmm. it's much nicer 
Yeah, and uh, you can imagine this kind of uh, you know being an architect with a keen visual eye and how you how you want your you know new building lobby to look like. Then often when you bring this you know traditional turnstile, then it's not mm. uh, maybe ideal for a you know design-minded person. So these these gates are uh, first of all very uh, appealing to look at, at least from my point of view. The, 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 the footprint is, is uh, much smaller than in a traditional turnstile. But then when we think about the total experience like we have uh, done for, for some of our lead customers, it's not only the gate, but then we have been also using projections to provide guidance. So there is a projection on the floor say that, okay, now it's elevator three on your left-hand side. And uh, that's also very nice for the for the architects because many don't want to have this, you know, big displays, monitors, TVs on the wall. Projections are are nice because you can just switch them off and then you have a clean surface. Mm, okay, got it. And just let's quickly uh, quickly talk about the um, escalator uh, business because you're also like involved in the escalator business that many people know yep. from the department store. I'm covering like the the department store decline now for over 10 years uh, um, you see very few projects where like good new escalators are built in i just visited the kdv in berlin like the luxury department store with like the wooden um escalators i don't know if they are from kona but they have like this nice wooden design really cool um but and, and i see it in the airports but like for for commercial buildings so i sense that it's it seems to be like a declining thing. So because like uh, all the department stores are going out of business more or less, but maybe my view is wrong. Maybe the airport industry was always like much bigger and now new big libraries are built like in Helsinki, the new library close to the uh, central station has this nice escalators uh, um, built. In. I hope it's Kona. So I guess, <laughs> I guess so. But uh, is this, is this a declining market escalators or am I wrong? Well, I, I don't know, and I, we're not going to comment on the kind of a market figures as such, but the business is, uh, you know, very, very healthy and lively. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, while while the kind of a department stores are kind of a going through, you know, a business transformation and in, uh, kind of an industry transformation of their own, then uh, infrastructure projects are very strong. And if we think about megatrends such as urbanization, we're going to see, you know, people moving into cities and that will continue and there will be, you know, bigger, mm -hmm. bigger cities. And, and I think, you know, the, some of the projections show that, uh, for, for example, uh, uh, in, 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 in Africa, we're going to potentially see cities with up to 50 or even 80 million inhabitants over the, over the next, you know, 50 years. So really? obviously can imagine that then there is Cairo and Lagos. No need, need, yeah. need to need to move people and uh, escalators are of course uh, very uh, efficient people movers yeah is this whole idea of like saving uh, um, energy like what, what I just described like if you have like a smarter people flow experience thing like saving some energy or smarter escalators that stop when nobody's on top uh, when nobody's um, on top because like in in old subway stations, they're like continuously turning or running. Or I, I mean, uh, I'm, well, first of all, sustainability is key element in the in the Kone, Kone strategy, and we are we are definitely one of the leaders there when it comes to this kind of uh, industrial companies. Uh, 
energy saving is 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 part of that, and we are uh, kind of uh, looking to implement uh, energy saving modes to our equipment. We have also implemented regenerative drives that you know capture back the the, the energy from you know moving physical masses. But then also, if we look at our uh, kind of uh, the the total product, more holistically speaking, then of course a lot of the energy com- consumption and CO2 emissions are related to the material use, and of course then uh, uh, we are using a lot of lot of uh, metal and raw material in our products, and that's something that we are then of course continuously uh, op- optimizing for for the benefit of customers, but then also benefit for the for the sustainability and the global environment. Is there any innovation I'm overlooking in, in your industry in escalators or um, elevators where you would say, okay, come to the next trade show and you will see super new experience, uh, I don't know, way more efficient or glass only or I don't know. Because like escalators, for example, they, for, for me, they appear the same like for like 20 years. So as long as the, the first escalator I used more or less looked the same like the one I used in Berlin. Now they have this kind of wood uh, kind of appliance really nice, but it's pretty much the same thing. But was it kind of an innovation level from an outside B2C perspective I just don't know about? I think uh, I think there are a lot of things happening in in uh, in our industry and what we are doing at Kone. I mean, escalators, of course, you're right that you know the the the, the physical form factor and the, how the uh, product uh, appears to the end user. It's you know more more or less the same that it has been for for ages. But there's also innovation happening there with one of our customers. We are looking into into kind of imaging technology based solutions that is then or identifying based on AI and machine learning all kind of you know safety uh, safety related situations for example you know baby strollers taken to the escalator and then the escalator is able to advise or even stop the escalator if it if it sees that okay there is now a kind of an unsafe situation about to occur we have also innovations in the kind of a uh, Uh, kind of a construction side for new buildings. We have a rather new product offering called Jump Lift, which is basically a a kind of an elevator that that is then kind of a growing with the building. So you don't need to have a a, a, a different elevator, you know, outside of the building for for the kind of a uh, movement of the uh, construction workers and raw material. But you can actually use the the, the very same building that or sorry, very same elevator that eventually then becomes also the building elevator and it's being built while the while the building is 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 kind of growing up. Then we have innovations on the kind of smart building side of things. For example, with with our partners and our API capabilities, we are enabling robots. So uh, as you have seen uh, in 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 uh, You know, some parts of the market, especially in Asia, you know, these robots in in hotels, hospitals, uh, whether it's, you know, taking a, a kind of a uh, transporting, you know, food and laundry in the hospital or whether it's, you know, transporting food in the hotels or cleaning ro- robots, of course, those are becoming increasingly popular and And, uh, you know, it's not so trivial how robot can, you know, navigate from floor to floor. So uh, that's true. I never we, thought about it. Maybe yeah. this at home, a small like mm. corner elevator that can move like the, <laughs> the Roomba, like from 
Okay. Yeah, Maybe I, it's I don't super... know your home, but for mm. for most of the people that might be still a bit of an overkill. But yeah. then, then maybe then maybe two Roombas will do the, will yeah. do the trick. But exactly. maybe let's focus on like a one one uh, one uh, IoT topic, uh, which we which I mentioned already, like before we started the recording, because in all like the e-commerce conferences, B 2 B, whatever, like for like five years now, IoT is like really big, and mm. in fifty percent of all these speeches, this predictive maintenance elevator case comes up you know imagine the elevator can like uh, can send its own usage data to the manufacturer like corner and then the maintenance guys who are like it's an expensive resource like people coming to the elevator and do some repair or check or whatever uh, can be managed in a much smarter way so how true is this kind of story that has been told now for five years on conference stages yeah that's that's 100% true and this is something that where Kone has been the kind of a leader leader in this industry and we are very proud of our predictive maintenance service that we have branded as 24/7 connected service but basically it is built upon the idea that you just described so our elevators are connected to our IoT cloud to to kind of a mobile mobile connectivity and we have a lot of sensors in the elevator Uh, kind of a understanding that how it is behaving and also, you know, listening to noise and rattle and uh, accelerometers and things like. And then we are channeling that data back to our our cloud and then we are kind of a, not just understanding the uh, condition of an individual elevator, whether it needs to be uh, kind of a repaired or, or, or do we need to take kind of a preventive action to ensure that it doesn't malfunction Uh, uh, over over time, but uh, even even better than we are using machine learning to you know learn from this big population of elevators and the data they are providing and uh, improving our predictive uh, maintenance maintenance capability. So this has been a this has been a huge huge boost uh, not just for our productivity but especially for our customers who then value that you know the fact that elevator downtime is is less what it used to be. But But does it lead to, uh, you said you have like 80,000 uh, maintenance um, jobs per day, I think it was. Um, does it reduce the maintenance jobs or so you need less personnel or you can do more with the same amount of personnel? So what is like the effect like on used resources exactly? Well, obviously it helps our efficiency so we can do, uh, you know, more maintenance work with the same amount of technicians but then also the type of work i mean uh, unplanned downtime is obviously the worst that can happen to to, to our direct mm -hmm. customer and then when we think of the the kind of individual end user you know unfortunately people still do get entrapped in the elevator so 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 those two things are something that we we, we really want to want to avoid uh, in order to ensure that our customers get the best service and our end users have the best best experience who who usually the the kind of alarm button you can click in an elevator if it is stuck for whatever reasons no no energy fire alarm so um this is usually connected to kind of an alarm station fire station um or so but is this like routed through your system um or is it like directly connected it It little little bit depends, you know, country to country because they are, you know, this this is often, you know, regulated that you know mm. what it is and how it behaves. But but basically, most most of those are actually connected to our own own call centers, and then we can 
uh, then we can dis dis dispatch a technician or take some other action if 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 that situation happens. Yeah. How often does it happen, like in the life of an elevator, that it's stuck? Let's say there's like a building, 20 floors, standard Kona elevator, like in over like 50 years, which is maybe the standard usage time or so. How how often does it happen? Like what's the statistics here? I know, I know, just to like, yeah. just to like to, to clarify, I know nobody who ever stuck mm -hmm. in an elevator in his life. So it, it seems to be like a thing that's not happening very often. But the button is very, very um, obvious because uh, my kids always, when they were small, it, there's always kind of um, this kind of need or like, let's click the yellow button because it seems to be the most interesting one and not like the one or two or three. So it's it's always there. You're reminded that there's some potential danger, but I don't know anybody who ever experienced it. Yeah, well, That's how we like to keep it. We, we wouldn't like to know anybody either. And uh, the, most of the button presses are not related to an actual emergency situation ah. uh, because it, it, uh, it, it can be, you know, a kid just, you know, pressing the button for the excitement. But then also, I mean, uh, we, are, we are doing a, a lot of uh, testing. So, for example, one of our standard maintenance procedures while we have a technician on the site, we test that the button actually works. So uh, the, 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 the situations where, where, where somebody gets entrapped are, uh, thank God, uh, not, not that uh, frequent. But it, it does happen. Yeah. And is there any known case in the last 10 years? And because this is like when like people first try out an elevator, it's like they, they, they have the fear that it can fall down somehow. I don't think that's possible. There must be like enough like emergency things. But what is the last known case when this ever happened? Uh, Obviously not a corner one, but it's like yeah, you can you I can mean, name uh, competitors here. Yeah, I mean the the, the elevate uh, from a technical standpoint, if it has been uh, you know built according to the you know rules and regulations and uh, and quality standards, it it can't fall down. There are emergency brakes and other procedures to ensure that 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 never happens. And I'm not aware of. Uh, any situation in an actual production site. However, we do have quite exciting, you know, crash test lab, crash test lab here in Finland. It's actually an old mine shaft that goes more more than, you know, 300 meters underground. And uh, we, are, we are using that to test our high-rise elevators for many different conditions, also including to, 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 to ensure that our safety mechanism procedures are meeting our, our high standard. And next time I'm in, I'm I'm in Helsinki, I'd definitely like to visit this. So that sounds like an exciting. That's mm. not in Helsinki, most likely, right? It's like somewhere. Uh, it's like uh, 50 meter, uh, sorry, 50 kilometers outside of Helsinki, so it's close by. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm. Interesting. I definitely would like to. I would like to mm. see it. Okay. I've learned a lot. So um, I think on the platform um, side, like uh, creating a better f uh, people flow um, um, experience, as this. A lot of potential still because you have to connect like so many different uh, vendors and like and, and so many different systems. So in theory, lots of stuff is possible. But the practical like delivery is kind of complicated, kind uh, kind of complicated. Yet, uh, if we want to see true elevator um, innovation, you would say most most advanced stuff we would most likely find in China or Asia because uh, they're a bit they're a bit more. Um, advanced. Am I right with that? Uh, 
I mean, the mar- market and the the customer and end user expectation is 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 different from market to market, and then it's a little bit subjective. What what you find, you know, most most advanced. I mean, I think the how I I'd like to or how I often explain it that in order to have the simplest possible experience it often means that there's actually quite complex things that need to happen on the background that you don't see but but if you want to uh, see where the greatest innovation is coming from this industry that's definitely from Kone and uh, but our offering might be then a little bit different from region to region okay so I have to go to Helsinki again okay got it Johannes, thank you for your time. Almost speaking like for 45 minutes already, which is our limit for this podcast. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs>